Welcome back to Kindly Gifted Season 4. I am so excited to have you along for the ride. No matter how it is that you tell your story, whether it's through your personality and influence or through your business and products, you have me in your pocket as your creative director on Speed Dial. Season four is filled with even more deep dives of how our favorite brands have built their success, how our favorite public figures and people of influence have built their personal brands, and also more insight from incredible guest experts to join me in having these powerful discussions. So thank you so much for continuing to tune in and supporting the show. And let's get into this episode, shall we? I'm so excited to welcome Joanna to Kindly Gifted. You are a talent manager with over 10 years of experience helping creators grow their brands and manage their brand deals. You do so much. And I remember our last conversation was so interesting. I was like, oh, I have to have you on the show immediately. Thanks for the invite. I am always down to chat about like all things talent manager related, creators, like entrepreneurial stuff, whatever. Yeah. I thought I'd start with something that you and I talked about in our last conversation. I'm like, Um, there's so many things. (laughs) So many things. Um, Which is that creators may be hiring a manager maybe a little too early. Yeah. Things. Can you talk a little bit about that? Because you had so many powerful things to say about it. And I was like, let's give her a platform. (laughs) Yes. So kind of just like backing up a wee little bit. Managers are here to help grow one's business, not establish and build one's business, strictly because we work off of commission. So for someone who wants to do brand partnerships or like I've talked to people and I'm like, you may be a six-figure influencer deep inside and in your future, but you're not there yet. Mm. Um, It doesn't make sense, you know, if you're earning 20,000, 10,000, 30, 40, 50, 60, like power to you because that's awesome. But you think, okay, my manager's earning 20% of that. As a manager, you know, 20% of 50000 is $10,000, which is great. That does not keep the lights on in one's business. Mm-hmm. Um, and then now the creator, you know, are they in a position to be able to have that, um, I don't want to say give because you're never giving your manager, like they earn their commission, but, you know, just to have that split with income, a lot of people when they're just getting going as an influencer, like they're not ready. You know, they have a lot of expenses. They're not ready to partner and they want to like keep all of it, which I fully understand. Like that makes total sense. Um, I run into a lot of people who on the internet, which is basically like where I hang out all the time, mostly on Instagram, uh, who I think there's this misconception or I know there's this misconception that managers like, oh, managers will bring me all these projects and then I will be a paid influencer. But Mm -hmm. you need to be a paid influencer and have partnerships before you start working with a manager. Mm -hmm. And so I will have people just like sliding into my DMs. They're like, hey, will you be my manager? And I look at them and I'm like, well, first of all, you have less followers than I do, which I have like, I don't know, 3,500, which I'm very proud of. But like, you need to have more than that, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, Or I'll scroll their feed. Maybe they do have more followers. I'll scroll their feed. And I'm like, you haven't done any partnerships So you're not on the brand's radar. You're not in platforms. You're not in databases. Um, It's a different ballgame to do sponsored content of like getting the brief, the rules, the regulations, the do's, the don'ts, the requirements, like 
brand gets a round of edits, maybe two rounds, depending on your agreement. I don't want to be the one to walk you through all that and teach that to you because it's a lot of handholding. Some managers do. I just don't. Um, I mean, those managers are also taking like a 30% commission for the handholding. Um, yeah, there, I mean, I think most like industry standard for commissions on partnerships, is 20%, but some managers do charge us like an ongoing retainer because they more, they're more involved they're in like, like incubating yeah. and yes. yeah. Yes. Or like, let me, um, help you figure out your brand or like, like I've talked to people that I'm like, oh, you're great. I could see a lot of potential. You just need some tweaks with what you're doing. Like, I'm not your girl. I don't have the bandwidth. I don't have the team. I don't have the interest, but I know people who, will take people that are kind of like just on the cusp and need a little bit of extra love to like help them get over that hump and then they'll pop. Um, So, you know, I'm just, um, you know, they're, they are good with like, okay, let's figure out like your content pillars and like exactly where you should be focusing on. Um, But yeah, for the most part, it's you, you need to be already earning. I always just use six figures as like kind of my, like, let's talk when you're around or at six figures. Because mm-hmm. um, the other thing, too, is, like, it's really hard to get on a brand's radar, especially now, like, when we're recording this in the spring of 2023. There are so many creators. There's yeah. so much noise in this space, which is great. Lots of competition. Brands are getting smarter. There's more platforms and more innovation. But it's just harder to, like, stick your head up to be the chosen selected one. Mm-hmm. And so – you know, I have great relationships. I stay in touch with brands, all that good stuff. But you are now one of 40 people who could possibly be the perfect. I mean, even if you niche it down to like age, geographic location, like, you know, mom of multiples, gluten-free, lives in Dallas, like there's still a lot of those. So to me, when you've already done brand partnerships, it means that you're already on the brand's radar. You've already done this. I can go back to your old relationships you know, I can say, oh, she's already done this kind of projects. Like, here's what it looked like. So it helps me help you better. Like it creates a symbiotic relationship between you and the creator versus parasitic where they're kind of preying on you. (laughs) You're like, the lights on in my house. And like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm like, I I can't like you get gifted partnerships for a hundred dollars. Like that doesn't work for me. Right. Like it's good for you because everyone starts there, but like, you're not ready for a manager. I feel like a lot of creators have the expectation that a manager does what managers do in the music world, where they'll take an artist that's not, not everybody knows, and they know how to like develop a brand around that artist, pitch them to a label, mentor them, all of that, and kind of be their partner. And I feel like a lot of influencers think that that's what an influencer manager does as well. Yeah. Again, possible but like that's probably more of a mentor or fellow creator that's like bigger that can help you and there are agencies I've seen um that do that but again they're taking like almost as much as taxes take from you in commission yeah. because they're like you said they're hand-holding you to the next step which yeah. I also am like are creators educated enough to understand like when things become a scam when somebody is taking advantage of you, are they so quick to just like sometimes hire a manager and be like, oh, I have the help now. Yay. Everything yes. else doesn't matter. Yes. Just hand over their business to somebody. Yeah. The the DMs that I get, like people who, me- who message me and I'm like, forget the fact that they're not a good fit. I'm like, you don't know me. 
You don't know what I'm all about. You were handing me your business baby. We have no relationship. We've never chatted. But the number of people who are pretty much, if I was like, oh, okay, yeah, I'll take you on, who are literally just be like, yes, here. It totally stuns me. I'm like, you don't understand that this could be theoretically the best, hopefully not the worst decision for your business that you could ever make. Mm -hmm. Exactly your point. It's like, you're giving me your business baby. And a lot of influencers, I think, don't do the research, don't ask the right questions, don't even know they can ask questions. It's like, yeah, I want you to ask me a lot of questions. I want to know how serious you are. I want to know how committed you are. I want to know who else you talk to because we all, to what we were just talking about, run our businesses differently, the services we provide, what we expect, what we do. Like I'm quite involved from beginning, like when a brand first reaches out all the way through to like tracking down your late paid invoice from the brand. Most some managers aren't. They're just like, okay, here's the brief. Here are the due dates. Good Figure luck. Yeah. Yeah. On to the next one. So, you know, you need to know what your manager does, what you want, like how involved you want them. I have this whole crew of women that were like this total sisterhood. Do you want to be a part of that? Or are you just like, I'm good. I just kind of want to like know my manager and like, I don't really want to be a part of this bigger thing. Like all those things are super important. What made you want to get into managing creators? Cause like you said before, it's, maybe it's not the most lucrative field financially, maybe a little hard to scale from that perspective. But at the same time, you're helping people grow their career and, yeah. um, and grow their brand. So why is it that you decided to enter into the talent space? Um, so the decision was kind of made for me. <laughs> prior to doing this, uh, prior to being a full-time talent manager, I was in the operations and strategy space. space. So I was doing a lot of fractional COO type roles. Um, I had a number of clients on retainer and I was kind of like part-time for them, but like full-time for them to run stuff behind the scenes, client retention, um, you know, just client management, relationship management, like operation strategy, marketing plans. Okay. What's your package for your coaching service? Like what are your price points? What are your value adds? And I had this day and a half strategy session for someone who didn't want someone full-time, but was like, I just need a plan. Like, I have a successful business. I've kind of plateaued. I'm stuck. I'm looking for change. I'm looking for something new, just a fresh set of eyes and ears on this. Like, how do I, you know, what? Someone help me. And someone hired me, Lorraine Laddish, who became my first client, flew down to Florida. And I didn't, like, you. Uh, influencers were not as ubiquitous as they are now. Like, now he's like, everyone's an influencer, right? Or thinks they are. But this was, this was 20... 17. And I was like, okay, what do you do? And how does this work? I mean, I, I got it conceptually. Like it's the same as sports management, right. Or like Julia Roberts is the face of Lancome or something. So like, I, I understood that part of it. Um, but it was more blogs and Twitter chats. Like TikTok wasn't around, Instagram wasn't around. And, um, I feel so funny saying like Twitter chats too, but that's what people did. <laughs> and, so we went through all the numbers. I was like, okay, how much do you want to make? And how long does it take? And like, what do you charge? And what do brands ask you for? Like, I asked her so many questions. And then when I was there, two partner, two brands reached out to her. And she was like, pretend like you're my manager. So I honestly was like, okay. I just like, I'm like, well, we just did the math on the rates. So I just like replied and they wanted a really quick turn for Mother's Day, which was like the next week or something. And so I'm like, okay, well, that sounds like a rush job you know, 
she freaked out because I was asking, I think she would have asked for like $800 or something. And I was like, well, this is like. At the time was a lot. Like yeah, at the yeah. time you wouldn't dare ask $800 from a brand. Yeah, I know. Like even that was like heart attack worthy for her. And so I think I asked for like over 3K or something. Cause I was like, well, this is the math. Like we just did this. And both of them said yes without even blinking an eye. So then she has another heart attack. She was like, oh my God, like. Oh, oh my God, God. Like, higher. Yeah, yeah it, it works. And of course I was like, oh, why are you freaking out? Like, this is easy. This is, you know. Um, and I had kind of one of my operational clients that I had in retainer, she did a couple brand partnerships and like was in the speaking space. So I was kind of doing some of that for her without realizing it. So anyhow, I did this thing with Lorraine. We got along like a house on fire. So much fun. I left and she asked me to be her manager. I said, yes, didn't really know what it meant, but I was like, we can figure this out. I love new stuff. I love a challenge. I love learning new things. And it was just really fun. So I was still doing operational stuff. She was on the side. I didn't talk about it. Um, She talks about, she's just very open with all things in her world. So she would just talk about me. And this was the time when like, aside from big Hollywood people, it was all like these big YouTubers that had agents. Yes, yes, yes. And it was agents specifically, or they had like a friend who they would hire to be like, yeah. Their, yeah. yeah. But like someone on Instagram with 19,000 followers, which at the time to me, I was like, oh, that's so many. Yeah. I was like, oh my God, you have 19,000. Um, that profile of person didn't have a manager. Like it just, but okay. she was making six figures. She was making good money. Um, again, it was mostly blogs. And so she would talk about me and other people in her world were like, wait, what? Like we can have managers. Who is this person? Like, how does this, um, you know, no one, no one knew to look into it. There weren't boutique talent agencies like there are now. And so just word of mouth, my agency grew. And so that's like how I was kind of had my hand forced. I, I truly feel like the universe was like, you need to do this. Um, and I love it. It's like, it's so much fun. I love my clients. I love the space. It's like a skill set of things I'm really good at. So just like on the Venn diagram, it just all overlaps and is amazing. Yeah. And then at a few years after that, I was just like, all right, let me just leave all my operations retainer clients and I'll go full time on agency stuff. And yeah, it's been great. So that's what I do. Oh my God. That well, that's so- how it happened. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> kind of built itself. But that's cool. I mean, you having an operational background, it makes a lot of sense why you're so successful as a manager too. Yeah. Very detail oriented, like very logistics, very like, okay, if you need to go live on Wednesday, but we're in different time zones and the brand needs 40s to get back to you with content approvals. And then you need time to do their edits. I'm like, well, then your content is due this day. Like my brain just automatically does all those sort of things. I'm kind of curious, the creators that you manage, obviously without releasing any like, private information, mm-hmm. but what have you noticed or some trends as to what makes them so successful mm-hmm. that could be helpful to creators that are looking to be at that space where yeah. they can comfortably hire a manager, they're bringing in that type of money for brand deals or other types of ventures. So they are serious about it. Starting and beginning and growing and managing and sustaining a business as in a successful influencer doing paid brand partnerships, whatever your number is, six figures, 50,000, like whatever you're looking for, is no different than growing a brick and mortar 
or starting any other business. Just mm-hmm. because I think because we have like this in our fingertips, everyone's like, oh, I got a great phone. I could just like take some pictures, post on Instagram. Like I have a lot of followers. I think it has done a disservice to how hard this industry is and how hard people work mm-hmm. to become successful. Again, it's like any other business. It takes time. And okay, sure, you had one viral video because of whatever, you hit trending music and this, that, and the other. That does not make a successful influencer. So what I love about my clients is like, it is it is their business. Like they look at everything they post on social, everything that, not everything that they do, but what goes on social they look at through the lens of like, does this continue to serve my community? Does this, um, you know, answer those questions of like, who do I serve and how do I serve them? Like, I'll think be like one of my clients, she's a Texas travel influencer. Most of her followers are millennials. So they're looking for things like places for bachelorette parties or like girls getaway weekends or like three day weekend itineraries that are like, within four hours of Dallas. So all of her content, she's like, I know my people. Like, so all the stuff that she does, she's not going to go to like a family day at a fair because she's like, my people are not families. Like it might be fun and maybe she'll take her family, like her nieces and nephews, but her content will be the hip bars, the cute little boutique hotels, the ones that have great pools, speakeasies, like fun restaurants, coffee shops, nature hikes and stuff like that. Right. If you... Versus someone who just posts whatever they want to post. And so, you know, you've got two seconds. The brand is like scrolling and looking at your feed. They're like, oh, we want to find someone who's a Mexican foodie. But you got pictures of your kids. Maybe you got a picture of your cat. They need to know like exactly what you're about. So having that lens and being serious, like committing committing to some schedule of posting, creating content, investing in your business as well. Um, You know, maybe you make money on a project and it enables you to buy the next best camera Mm -hmm. or you bring on a videographer for your next project or you outsource the editing. Um, So they understand it's also just like mindset around it is an investment. You have to continually give back to your business and being married to it in that they commit and know that it's hours a day, a week, a month, a year over a duration of time for it to gain traction and, and actually grow. Yeah. And then you get to a point where you're more so focused on being like relevant, Mm -hmm. right? So from that standpoint, what suggestions do you have as a manager where, you know, the burn rate through influencers is quite high. There's always the next it so-and-so. How do you stay top of mind in an industry where so many new influencers are entering and catching on and how do you continue to stay relevant and top of mind for your own audience? Um, when you say you, do you mean me or the influencer? The influencer. <laughs> yeah. That's what I thought, but I just want to make sure. Um, consistent, uh, be consistent. Like you are consistently creating content. You are consistently showing up helps the algorithm continue to show your content and build that trust. And you're teaching people to be like, yeah, I've still got you day in and day out on the kind of content you're looking for, for whatever they come to you for, whatever sort of relationship and connection you have with them. It's that consistency of just, you know, seeing your stories, seeing a reel, seeing a TikTok, you know, whatever it may be. They Mm -hmm. Google recipes, like your website is the one that comes up. It's that consistency that, um, will build, help build a brand over time and help, um, people stay relevant and present. And just because 
I think too, like, yeah, there's that, you're the it girl, like, like sexy, that's exciting. Like you've gone viral, but does that translate to dollars? I don't know. That's true. Because if like, I saw someone, someone reached out to me who had one, I think it was like one recipe, like some random sandwich thing or something went viral, got a ton of followers. She had like a quarter million followers. And I was looking at her feed. She had maybe like eight posts on her Instagram. I'm like, okay, but now what do you do? Like you did mm-hmm. your one thing. Like a brand looks at your content. They're like, they did eight posts. This, this influencer did eight posts. So like, we don't know if they're consistent, if they're, you know, constant. Are they going to still be doing this and showing up in a week, in a month? Like she hadn't posted that much. Um, so if you are consistent and continually show up for your people and it's like reminding them, oh, on Tuesdays I do travel videos. On Wednesday I do like my best packing hacks, like literally train your audience the content that you're going to deliver and the value for them. People are, people will pay attention. And like, I think that's how you continue to stay relevant and top of mind for brands. Which by the way, you and I talked about this before, but you specifically like the way that you advise your own creators is always from the perspective of how the brand sees things and how they would think about those things. We were talking about this example from like, you know, FTC and like the avocados from Mexico and mangoes situation. (laughs) Um, And I'm kind of curious if that's like the norm in manager influencer relationships. I guess that depends. It's probably subjective, but I've just seen a lot of managers be very like a gung ho for influencers and seeing everything from an influencer perspective so much so that maybe sometimes it could be helpful if they were to see things from a brand perspective that could inform like why maybe an influencer post got taken down or from their yeah. client or what have you. Yeah. How does your outlook essentially like kind of like, how is it helpful to an influencer when you do have a manager that's looking at things from a brand perspective, especially if you're managing their brand partnerships or deals? Yeah. So it's super beneficial because it's the brands and the agencies that are picking the talent. Like, I know my client's great. I know why, you know, Avocados of Mexico should pick such and such client for their next campaign. But I'm not the one who picks it. You know, I don't have a say over the budget. I'm out in the room. So knowing what brands are looking for, what things are popping. Um, I was actually just talking about this with another manager yesterday. And I, I think the managers that are good that do this are the ones that you can see it in their talent is that we maintain not just maintain relationships with brands and agencies to be like, hey, do you have any projects? But also just like I'm texting them, chatting on Instagram, like having calls because I genuinely like them and we're friends. But I'm also getting insight into like, hey, brands are going super niche. So here's a good example. Lifestyle influencers, right? Like they were super big. Lifestyle bloggers like kind of can do a lot of everything, right? Like amazing. They can be all over the place. Like they can answer a lot of questions and like, they're just like kind of fun. You want them to be your friend, like next door neighbor, sort of helpful girlfriend, right? Well, now brands are like, you got to niche down because are you about recipes? Are you about the best skincare? Are you about the best fashion, beachwear or parenting tips? That's a whole like wide range of stuff. And so I think then it becomes, if you're trying to help everyone, you help nobody because a food brand may see your parenting content and be like, oh yeah, no, that's a miss. It doesn't work. Well, maybe you actually would, but it's diluted in your feed. So I'm always checking in with brands. Like my my friends are just being like, hey, what are you hearing? What's going on? Um, I actually invited someone. So my agency does a monthly Zoom. 
And I bring in outside people to be like, hey, talk to us about what's going on. Like, what do you hear? And so I have someone that I'm good friends with on the brand side who's done like just quick, like looking at all my talents, Instagrams to be like, what do you notice? Does it catch your eye? What are you looking for in the bio? Um, You know, having a pinned reel that is about you, your brand. So that way when a brand is like an agency is pitching you, instead of having them trying to figure it out, they can literally copy and paste your caption to send it across, you know, in their recruitment. And like, sure, you may not get a ton of likes on it because people are like, wait, you're about baking cupcakes. Why are you writing about your thing? It's not for that. It's to help the brand pitch you or like have a bunch of highlights, you know, those highlight reels where I could say like the household products I use every day, my favorite baking tips, you know, my favorite travel hack products. You may not do a whole feed post about it, but like I can then say, oh yeah, Jessica loves your stuff, X, Y, and Z. Go look at her reel. You can see it seven times in the past month that she's tagged because she's gone on trips and she loves your suitcase or whatever the case may be. But like, I don't know. I forget about those things. But then I have brands like an agency people remind me. Um, So having a manager who has great relationships is obviously good to stay top of mind for campaigns, but also just to know like what's happening on the brand side, right? Like how is the industry changing in ways that I only know if I ask. No, that's a helpful thing about lifestyle influencers because I've mentioned this so many times on the show that that I'm sick of it. And still it's like, oh, but I don't want to niche down. Yeah, yeah. I respect that. But then there has to be some compromise where if you don't want to niche down, then maybe brand partnerships are not for you. Because me too, like when I'm looking on behalf of a brand or something, or even just from a marketer's perspective, if I were to hire an influencer for, I don't know, Duncan, I need that like they at the very least talk about coffee all the time. It'd be nice if they featured Duncan and they're big fans. Like, that's great. That's wonderful. Or like, if they are not a coffee related influencer, what is the ROI for me as somebody uh, representing Duncan to work with that person? Even though, yes, they have 2 million followers and they talk about their lifestyle and they're so cool and amazing. How much of their audience is going to then convert into Duncan customers from that post and is spending, I don't know, 20 grand on an influencer with 6 million followers at that point worth it just for the social capital of following? I don't know. Or like, what do you need to convert for a $2 coffee or like a box of donuts? It's like- you need a lot. So that's when I hear influencers being like, influencers are not salespeople. No, creators are not salespeople. Influencers are influencing people's behavior. What is the behavior that's being influenced? Purchasing behavior. Mm-hmm. So then how is that not sales? Yeah. Yeah. I, I with you, I'm like, I live in a world where I'm like, we're all salespeople, all sales all the time. Now, right. hear me out. You could be trying to convince your partner to go to Aruba over St. Thomas for your next vacation. Like you got to pitch, present, make your case. <laughs> You're trying to sell your kid. on like getting in the bath before bed, before the meltdown happens. Or you could be an influencer talking to people about why you love dunks because they now have alternative milks. I don't know. But like, don't we're all sales people. Even though all you're not time. like product right. GBC vibes like you're still selling something always 
I, I can't get past that mindset of like, that's not what influencers are supposed to do. And it's like in this economy, though, the influencers that are going to be brought onto campaigns are ones that can guarantee performance driven marketing, which is sales. It's yeah. sales. At the very yeah. least, maybe it's brand awareness and like email subscriptions. But when you subscribe to a brand's email, why are you subscribing? Because you have intent to buy. Yep. So it's just like, I, sometimes I'm just like, oh my God, does somebody need to do like a crash course on how this works or something? Yes. I think the answer confused. is yes, Kate. <laughs> I think we're confused on the term influencer and what it means because I mean, even like when you mentioned niching down, people bring Alex Earl up all the time. Oh, but Alex Earl is a lifestyle influencer. Alex Earl literally went viral for her acne last year. That's what sparked her fame. And then obviously, if you look now, it's like, well, now she's talking about her lifestyle and partying and hanging out and drinking and being a U Miami grad. That's yeah. But initially she had started by talking about her skin and then I'm still has, I've seen her still kind of like trickle that in here and there. So like that person niche down also, she was talking, I think she did an interview with Howard Stern that I listened to. And she was saying how like, she was trying everything. She'd been doing things online for like four, four years total, including this year. And she was like, I was trying everything for two years. I had no idea. And then the last year, let me just try talking mm -hmm. about my acne and my, my concerns with my skin. And when I did that, it resonated with people. Yep. That's what made her so relatable. So it's even the lifestyle influencer, the lifestyle itself is even like niched down as hell. Cause like partying and being a 22 year old in Miami and going out and drinking all the time, that's very niche. I don't do that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, it might be fun and relatable to me as somebody who has once been there, but like, you know, even she was able to kind of like find her little thing, but I see way too many influencers of just thinking that they're going to blow up by just here I am. Yeah. And that's just it. It's like the other thing too is right. The like dilution of the word influencer and people assuming it's because you have a lot of followers. It's like, no, no, you have to know something about something. Right. And perhaps it's, navigating acne with like without Accutane and you completely change your diet and your exercise habits and your sleep practices. And you were like, it did the trick. Let me tell you about it. Fantastic. Good for you. Like, yes. But then I always use the argument like, okay, so when Oprah started her, right? Everyone's like, Oprah's an influencer. And, but when Oprah started her social medias, she only had zero people, one person, two person, 10 people, hundred. She's still an influencer, even though she has small numbers. It's because she knows something in a space there's trust, there's connection, there's, you know, relatability or just like a aspirational thing, whatever we got going on. But yeah, it's, it's such an interesting, like there's so many different bits of this conversation yeah. that I love because people talk about it, but as we're breaking it down, it's like, yeah, but there's so many nuances and things that people actually don't realize or think about. I mean, I always get just to kind of pivot a little bit. I always get my knickers in a twist when, um, <laughs> <laughs> when people are like oh, I hate influencers like when are they gonna go away I'm like honey influencers have been here for a very long time they're not going anywhere and you know if they look stop buying the things they recommend then they'll go away. well or or actually no like so I'm 44 right I grew up with like Bo Jackson Michael Jordan um you know Mia Hamm like you think of I feel like sports maybe actors and actresses were influencers like Michael Jordan Air Jordans Gatorade, 
Julia Roberts was like Revlon or Lancome or something. And those were Bo Jackson, Nike, like Bono Sports, right? Like those were all influencers, but it wasn't on the platform that we have now with social media. Um, and it wasn't as accessible. Also. It wasn't as accessible. Yeah. Yep. And, but, and before that, guarantee there were people before that who were influencers and, you know, maybe it was more in like civil rights movements and, you know, there's been, again, varying definitions and ways that people present as influencers, but I'm like, they've been around forever. They're not going anywhere. Yeah. Even like royalty and people that are. Yes. Political (laughs) figures. Literally influencing people's behavior. Like I can't, I just, I'm, it cracks, but every single time I hear about this, like influencers don't need to know sales or, or, you know, all the things associated with that, including psychology and human behavior. It's always coming from people specifically who have like been burned by brands or their expectations. And I understand that and empathize because I do think brands need to like understand how to treat influencers better and the importance of social capital and, and brand equity that influencers do have and bring to the table. But I think that doesn't diminish what the role of an influencer in society actually is. Mm-hmm. And also it's not that easy to become one. Like I no. think it waters down the accessibility to becoming an influencer when you say you don't need to know sales, but it's like, look at the 1% who are like, why is Alex Earl and Paris Hilton and, and Kim Kardashian and all of these reality TV stars also like such good influencers is because they know how to strategically sell things. They know how to market themselves. They know the principles of product marketing and personal branding. And all of that is not easy. And at one point, maybe they didn't even know how to do that, you know? Yeah. yeah. Or like Taylor Swift. Like I think Taylor Swift is a genius. Oh my God. Yes. And like, to be honest, like I can't, people are like, oh, you redemption error. Like I, I'm like, oh, I bow out of that conversation. But I am fascinated by that woman for what she does for marketing, all of the little exits she drops, the way she's got her audience like in it and looking for clues. I'm like, is there any bigger influencer in the world right now than Taylor Swift? The way that she, the the way that she was able to like, maybe not her, but like her and her team were able to make the whole like live nation ticket master scandal go away and people are dropping. The other day somebody, somebody was like, Oh, you know, I'm trying to sell some, some VIP tickets to Taylor Swift and it's $3,000 a ticket. And I almost shat my pants because like, that's so expensive, but I know somebody's going to buy it because it's Taylor Swift and they don't give a shit that that's like rent for an entire month, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. I mean, I just think it's so interesting on so many levels and I'm also like it's just not going anywhere so why don't you just like pull up a chair enjoy the ride like pay attention yeah and don't fight it with COVID I think too like I'm sure you saw I mean who was who was investing in billboards no one we weren't going anywhere who was right right spending money on in-store displays no one because we weren't going anywhere so whose faces were plastered all over social media and web banners and email marketing influencers yep Yep. Because they're cost effective. They can generate a quick ROI. And, you know, and now it's interesting because now you're seeing billboards almost exclusively with like influencers and performers and artists and public figures faces on them that are not like stock image models. Right, right. People, no, that's not effective anymore. It's and just- they're part of like larger campaigns where it's like, oh, we're going to roll it out on social 
we're going to do a wave, you know, a big push in this city or, and then you see a bunch of billboards like on the highways coming in and down, like a good Burma shave campaign. It's like, oh, I mean, I love seeing that because I'm like, oh, that brand knows what's up. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I think it's also interesting because you were mentioning celebrities and the, and being an influencer as a celebrity. And I recently saw an interview with Jennifer Aniston, who was expressing her disdain with how easy it is now to become famous on social mm-hmm. media and like influencers have watered down the concept of celebrity. I was kind of curious to hear what you thought about that. Oh, um, I don't I do know anything about that. <laughs> um, I'm mean, an advocate. So I feel like for you, it's like, hell yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but also- I mean, I, th- I think, you know, obviously from her, so she was, what was, so she was saying it's frustrating to see how quickly that people can become famous, famous. on the internet. Yeah. Yeah, And like, I guess, and I, and I think, you know, maybe in some cases that's valid and how hard she's worked to become a celebrity and the path was totally different. It's just like incomparable, I think. Yeah. But she's saying how from the very quick clip that I saw, she was saying how she's just like, oh, everybody can be, anybody can be famous now for literally. And then I saw Gwyneth Paltrow say the same thing where she was like, I just feel like anyone at this point, you you don't even have to be able to want to impact people or help people or anything. It's just like, you just get famous for, for anything at this point. And so I was kind of curious, like what you thought about that as somebody who works with creators and influencers and in the world where fame is a lot more accessible than like yeah. celebrity. Time. Yeah. So what is coming to mind for me thinking about this is like two things. One, Jennifer Aniston and Gwyneth Paltrow of the world, right? It is a long runway. It is a very long runway for them to have built their careers where they are. They're in tiny little, you know, you don't realize it at the time with these tiny little like movies and commercials, right? And then they like, where's Witherspoon? Like, let's see your first commercial. And she was like six and some Tide commercial or something, you know? It's so when people are like building it, it takes forever. And we just don't realize that they're like a star is born, right? Until a star is born. On social media, Exactly. You could, you don't need that long runway. I agree. Someone can become famous overnight without putting in that hard work. Mm-hmm. What I will say to that though is, I think that's kind of inevitable just through social media. What I do think though, and my my addition to this conversation is like, check in on them in three months. Check in on them in six months. Yes. Are they well, still there? Mm-hmm. Are they still relevant? Are they a one-hit wonder? Do they have one song? And everyone's like, oh my God, I can't believe so-and-so became famous overnight. Cool. Three months later, people have forgotten about them, right? Because they've been replaced by a new one-hit wonder. But we're still talking about the Jennifer Anderson's, the Reese Witherspoons, the Gwyneth Paltrow's, who have staying power. We're still talking about the influencers and people in the digital marketing space who still have staying power. That's a good point. I did an episode on this show earlier about diving deep into Kanye's career and everybody's like, Oh, Kanye, you know, who like, nobody even care. He's now like a fashion designer, whatever. It's like, I don't, (laughs) he's a controversial figure. Like, yes, but the man has been able to maintain a career since 1996, like the longest career as a musical artist how many people can say they've been able to maintain so much relevancy and continue building on that social capital? Yes, the strategies are controversial, but the actual journey to getting that that person taking it seriously and they're willing to compromise their reputation 
for relevancy and attention, which is a whole separate conversation. But like you said, it's not just about are they famous now or have they been famous in the past? It's like, where are they going? Or how seriously are they taking it? Are they being consistent? Like you mentioned before, do they have some bigger goals that they're working towards? And usually I And I'm kind of curious on your perspective on this too. I think relevancy is maintained from a passion for impact. Like you genuinely want to help people. And I think that's what ends up making somebody relevant, whether it's you want to advocate for a specific group of people and you want to see them represented in media and that's your why, or it's like, I want to help people make money and it's a more of a tangible kind of why. I think that 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 is the thing that ultimately continues to make somebody Mm -hmm. relevant no matter what evolution they go through in their career. I don't know. Yeah. Or even if it's something as simple, you know, air quotes, because it isn't simple, but just compared to the previous examples is like one of my Lorraine that I was talking about before my first client, she is turning 60 this year when 2023, when we're recording this and, you know, she's very open about her journey with menopause and bladder incontinence and health issues and skin cancer stuff. And like, colonoscopies and just like health related things like she's very open about it because she's like I didn't know these things when I went through them and it's been good bad ugly a nightmare whatever and so for her to continue sharing a she's learning b she's like contributing to the dialogue and she's still having dialogue and people are like oh because she may say oh my god I've been having this like and and other people not necessarily crowdsourcing from the internet because I understand like you know, obviously WebMD is like not the way to go, but just generally having that like, oh my God, I'm not the only one. Or like I was there with those hot flashes, like hang in there or the hormone replacement therapy, like super helped me with X, Y, and Z. And like, I adjusted in five weeks, you know, just having that information of real time, right beyond your doctor um, to support and supplement the experience and just other like no, you know, we all like to know we're all humans. We like to know we're not going through everything alone. So, right. you know, for her, she continues to show up because it's like, that's all she knows. And it makes sense for her. And, and I think about all my other creators, it's like, yeah, Yvette wants to continue sharing recipes that her grandmother passed down because she loves them. Laura's got a mama too. And she knows people are struggling to get healthy foods on the table who maybe are Mexican immigrants and like want to maintain their culture, but their kids are getting Americanized. So she's like, here's what I do. Yeah. Like it's, Maybe it's just that level, but that is, that is worthy. Yeah, I I completely agree. I think it's so powerful to continue sharing your story as it evolves and continue kind of like helping your audience grow with you and being okay when they want to leave and find someone else for whatever information that they're looking for at that time of their life. Mm -hmm. Um, Final question for you. Mm -hmm. It's a little open-ended, but- My answer is it depends. (laughs) (laughs) Um, From a talent manager's perspective to a creator who is in that place where they're looking for support for that next stage and trying to find somebody to guide them through that. What advice would you give from a manager's perspective or a brand's perspective in helping their search for that person? Know what you're looking for. Be clear on before you even start reaching out and talking to people, what you want that person to do, what you expect that person to do, Mm -hmm. what kind of relationship you want to have with that person. I was using the example before that, you know, my clients and I, we have a very tight sisterhood. We talk all the time. Do you want, are you looking for a manager and then a larger 
excuse me, a larger community. Do you want to be one of six people on a roster? Do you want to be one of 60 people on a roster? Do you want to be strictly in a food agency? You know, all they do is food talent and you come on the roster and you're okay being like number 37. Mm-hmm. Um, so just, you know, be clear on that. Um, how serious you are, what sort of investment you're willing to make, not just financially, but just like the growing pains in the runway of, of when you're onboarded with whatever manager you pick, like that just takes time. Like you have to be willing to play the marathon and know that it's going to be a long game. Mm-hmm. So, like, are you okay with that? Do you have patience? Are you open to risk? Are you open to talking about money? Like how open are you? Um, you know, just being comfortable with like how much you made last year. What are you looking to make? What are your current rates? Like there's no judgment around when I ask those questions. I'm like just looking to know kind of like where you are in the scale. Yeah. Um, but I would say just get really super clear. Like do your research. Talk to other people that have managers. What's the, you know, okay, tell me about your relationship. Like how do you find them? What do they do for you? How often do you talk? Do they do monthly reports for you? Do you have monthly check-ins? Um, what other like team community stuff do they provide? Are you connected to the other roster? Are you not connected? Can you talk to them? Can you not talk to them? Like what's just your overall vibe? Like all the tangible and intangible stuff. Get super clear on that. Do your research um, and come into this, come into the conversation. And I would encourage you to interview multiple people. Come in eyes wide open and know that it is a conversation. Like just as much as you're hiring them, they are hiring you. So there is that you know, both people want to win and it very much absolutely should be and can be a win-win relationship, but you need to know like what you're looking for first. That's such a good piece of advice. And I'm curious where people can find you if they want to be part of your roster or even just to consume some of the educational content that you also create around the space. So I hang out on the internet all the time, mostly on Instagram. That's my preferred platform. Um, I'm at Joanna Voss, J-O-H-A-N-N-A Voss. And that's also my website. It's my first and last name, but that's where I'm hanging out. I love having conversations there. I'm constantly posting like questions or sharing, okay, I had this experience negotiating with a brand and here's what I did. Or like, what would you do? Or, um, you know, here's some things that I'm seeing from influencers that I think y'all can do better. Um, so I love hanging out over there and talking to other people in the space. Awesome. Well, go check Joanna out. Thank you so much for coming on and chatting about your experiences as a manager and also seeing things from a brand's perspective. I think this will be really helpful to any creator that is tuning in. I hope so. And yeah, if anyone has any questions, don't hesitate to slide into my DMs. I really, I'm always here to chat. Thank you so much for taking this show to 16,000 plus streams in just a short period of time. I am forever grateful. Our next goal for Kindly Gifted is to dominate these motherfucking charts. And for that, I need your help. If you could do me a quick favor and click follow or subscribe on the platform that you're listening on and drop a quick rating of what you think of the show, that would greatly help us climb the charts because transparently speaking, that's the only way that we can do it. I need you to click follow, click subscribe, and again, drop a quick rating of what you think of the show. And let's get us to number one. Thank you again so much and tune into the episode.
If you're listening to this, it means you've reached the end, and I'm so grateful that you tuned in to another episode of Kindly Gifted. If you don't mind to give this show your honest rating and review, I'd greatly appreciate it, and click follow or subscribe to keep up with new episodes. If you want to chat about what you just heard in this episode, I'm all ears. You can find me on Instagram at Katarina Tarantiva or on TikTok with the same handle, and I'll link both of them in the show notes below. If you want to chat with me one-on-one or maybe get some accessible resources on how it is that you can create invigorating marketing for your brand or develop your personal presence online as a person of influence, check out my stand store. I'll also link that in the show notes and there's more goodies coming your way. So don't forget to bookmark the link as well. Anyways, that's my spiel and I'll see you in the next episode.